Welcome to the C3 Church Coffs Harbour podcast. We're glad you're here. We pray that you'll be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. So good. Wow. Hey, bro. Hey, how are you? Hey, C3 Coffs. Epic. So good to be here. We've got some stools for you to relax. I'm a new dad. I could um, fall asleep here this morning. Do it. On this chair. I do it all the time. Every week I fall asleep up here. It's crazy. How good's this? Thank you so much. It is good. Thank you, Deb. Thank you. Thank you, service team. Do a wonderful job. Wow. I'm a bit jealous. I, I must say, I'm happy to be here. I'm a bit jealous this morning, Bart, mm-hmm. of you. Yep. Yeah, I'm having a lot of envy about your church. Oh. I'm envious of, like, young leaders, like, the youth guys yep. taking that on, of, like, Joseph. Joseph. You're going to be out of a gig pretty soon if you let Joseph get too carried away with let's, his let's preaching. Let's just say this. I have an early retirement strategy. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Good, I'm 40 next good. year. That's right. So, four, um, okay. yep. 4 0. Um, and so there's, there's plans. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's good. You're doing well. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous of your facility. Um, people like your worship team, Pete and Em. I mean, yeah. Pete, you must just feel like encouraged every message with I do. Pete there. I don't think it's possible for Pete to not encourage someone. Yes. It's just like, I, I think we should say some heresy this morning and just see what Pete's response is. <laughs> Because I think you, it would be something like, generally it was really good. Like, you just still encourage you. The way you said that yeah, was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was completely wrong yes. and anti-biblical, but it was the energy you used. Yeah. It was just amazing. And you look so good. 60% energy. Oh, so, no, it's wonderful to be here. And look, to be honest, you're only human. We do have the greatest church on the planet. So, it's, yeah. it's only fair that you would be jealous of look, as long what's going as on here. You don't let our, my church hear this podcast, then I'll agree with you yes. this morning. Absolutely. This is the greatest this. church. Thank you, gentlemen. So welcome. Well, thank you. It's great to have you. First time in Coffs? Uh, first time at C3 Coffs. Okay. I, of course, have, um, you know, traveled through the area and done all the touristy things. Such, such as? Uh, big banana. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. You know, walked along the jetty and uh, all of those wonderful things. It is good. It is good. It's a great part of the world. It is. Very good. Greatest church in the greatest place on the greatest country. My goodness. So. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. We just pray harder than everybody else. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. And we're humble. We're more humble than any other. More humble. Yeah. That's what I like about you. That also helps. So tell us a little about yourself, your family, history. Well, in Kenya, we have to, um, the first thing you do when you introduce yourself is to let people know you're married to one wife. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very important to clarify that. Yes. Because polygamy is allowed. And, uh, and wow. I, I don't know. I say, why, why would you want, why do you need more than one? Yeah. Australians are smart enough to know one is more than enough. Yes. It and, is. Uh, but, yeah, so I'm the husband of one wife. Uh, you met my wife. She's somewhere. You saw her singing. She's uh, with our little baby daughter, Elsie, who's so cool. uh, three months old. So that's all exciting uh, for everyone who's been a first-time parent before. We're smack bang in the middle of that uh, whirlwind. Was it what you expected? (laughs) Can you... I think it's just one of those things where you don't want to hear the real story before you become a parent. You put it down to negativity uh, and you just want people to be positive. (laughs) 
But then at the same time, you, you, sometimes you wish, maybe I should have been a bit humbler beforehand and listened to some of those things. It's wild. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, no, I don't I, think... I, I love being on the other side, listening to people who oh. are first-time person. This is going to be the easiest thing. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Well yeah totally, Good yeah. Luck with that. I'm not expecting it to be easy. I'm sure it's going to be... Yeah, sure. But maybe yeah. we'll adapt to our lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to adapt to it. Like, oh, I've heard it all before. All it's, of that nonsense. Yes. Yeah, so you just figure it out on the run, don't you? But exactly. it's awesome. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, Central Coast... Uh, born and bred, uh, spent my first uh, 30 years on the Central Coast. And, uh, Do you know I lived for two years in Gorakin? No way. True story, I went to Gorakin Public School. Wow, full, my sister taught at Gorakin Public School. Did she? But she's also turning 40, so... Did she live to tell the tale? Uh, she moved after two years. Yes, <laughs> rough school, <laughs> rough school. It's an interesting area, Gorakin. Yes, oh, uh, it is. Yeah, so, you know, typical Aussie life. You know, grew up playing cricket and uh, doing all Aussie things. Perfect. So, was a primary school teacher okay. for a couple of years uh, before I took the steps towards um, ministry. Yeah. Well, to tell us a bit, let's backtrack from that. Mm. Tell us about like how you came to faith. Mm. Were you brought up in a Christian family? How did that work for you? Yeah. No, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't born into a Christian family. Some of our friends in year eleven and twelve started going to this youth ministry, uh, which was. Uh, run by Jamie's parents uh, in their church, right. and so I got invited. I think in year eleven, hey, come to come to this come to youth group, and I said, please don't ever ask me again to go to church. Like I'm not interested. Yeah. It's not for me, and um, I'd appreciate it if you don't invite me. So uh, yeah, I, I did. I just I, you know, of course, you know, I, I grew up in a non-Christian family. It was like they just want your money. They just want to preach at you and convert you, and which is largely yeah, true much, yeah. but uh, uh but, <laughs> but uh you know not in the that manner so right uh, yes right. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah 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 so i just hung around them for the next year and a half and i heard some of the music the hillsong united stuff at that time and i well, this is actually pretty cool. And, uh, you know, long story short, after spending time with them and hearing about their God, I thought, you know what, I think I can believe that there's a God. Mm. But I stumbled at the point of forgiveness because like a lot of Australians, I thought, okay, I can believe in Jesus. I can believe he walked the earth. I can believe that he even died and rose. But why do I need forgiveness? I'm a pretty good guy. Yeah. Uh, and so I realized after not too long that I was comparing myself to society's worst and not God's best. That's where you different fall Different metric system. Different Com- metric system. Totally. When, you can, when you compare yourself to murderers and thieves and what... True, like in society you go, well, they're the bad people. Yep. I'm, uh, okay. I'm not too bad comparatively. Uh, then you think you're all right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like if I compare my height to you, I'm in trouble. But if I compare my height to my daughter, I'll look like a giant. Uh, So you've got to compare yourself to the right thing. It's good. And so all of a sudden I got a glimpse of a God who was perfect and loving and kind. And I saw his grace and everything that he is that is perfect and just and holy. And I got, oh, maybe I'm not so wonderful after all. And I became very aware of my humanity and gave my life and surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. Awesome. How old were you then? Uh, about 18 or 19. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And yeah. you are obviously a very intelligent person, very gifted. Some people debate that. Oh, look at the but liars. I would, liars. Let's go with yes. Pete, Pete told me all this. We've got the so microphone. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, <laughs> highly intelligent, gifted, 
sharp mind. Someone gave him the wrong bio. That's the no, next, no, 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 week's, no. next week's speaker. All, I'm, all, I'm, so all this is true. I'm just wondering, okay. why did you end up in ministry? <laughs> it's a very good question. Can I it's ask a, that? It's I... a very good question. Well, as I said, well, teaching was the other option. So it was like one of the two. Yeah, okay. So it was, yeah, you know. Yeah, yep. No, yep. but I was, I was a primary school teacher, as I said, and, you know, it's a wonderful uh, calling. You've got to be called to be a primary school teacher. And I, I knew, I had I sensed all along that I wasn't. And so I was at a presence conference at Oxford Falls in 2006. And I was sitting at the back of the auditorium watching, I think, I can't remember if it was John Bevere or Michael Pitts. One of them was preaching, and I just felt this overwhelming sense on the inside that that's what you're called to do. And I felt so inadequate, and I was like, no, this can't possibly be an accurate feeling. And so I sheepishly went said to my pastor, I had the weirdest experience, and just confirmed that I'm wrong, because I'm sure I am. <laughs> but I felt God say to me that I'm called to do that. And they said, no, we would absolutely agree that that's, that, that call is on your life. And, and we think you should do Bible college. And, we think, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. Awesome. And so I was at another event down in Sydney and applied for a scholarship to C3 College. And I uh, thought, well, this will test the Lord. Yeah. Uh, if, I, uh, if I get that, I'll go to Bible college. And, uh, and I actually wasn't in my head ready. I had a full-time teaching job. It was very secure. It was wonderful. My mum... Uh, none of my family were saved at that time, as I mentioned, and my mum was a principal, my sister was teaching, it was like what we did. So anyway, I got the scholarship, and they said, so when are you coming? And I said, oh, I didn't actually really think I would get it, so I hadn't really <laughs> planned to come. And so anyway, uh, I entered the time at C3 College with a, with a, with a knowledge that I felt called to ministry in, in church life. We're all called to ministry in different contexts, but in, in the church context. But I had no idea what it looked like. Mm. And all I knew was I didn't want to plant a church and I didn't want to be the senior pastor of a church. <laughs> yeah, you got to, yeah. Be careful what you God's, say. God's clever like that, isn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. I just said, I, I'll do anything. I'll assist someone. I'll be part of a team. I'll do something. But I'm not planning and I'm not leading a church. Yeah. So anyway... I'm at college one day and our principal was the overseer of all our C3 churches in Africa and he started telling some stories of a trip he'd been on and God just did a number on me in that chapel service and I felt like God's saying Africa is the place for your, your context of ministry. Mm. And again, I thought that can't be the, the Lord. Had you ever been to Africa before? Uh, I'd been on a holiday once before okay. I'd, maybe a few years after I got saved. No, I hadn't thought about it again. So it was just random. So I went with him on a short trip uh, yeah, very long story short, but that was confirmed then. Got married to Jamie. She, funnily enough, we didn't put two and two together at the time, but she, we, when I came to the church, we knew her as the girl who was going to move to Africa and marry an African man. <laughs> because she had a heart from Africa when she was a little girl. She was wow. watching a compassion ad on TV when she was two or three and started crying. And her mum prayed with her in the moment and said, Lord, whatever you're doing here, we just seal it. Uh, and asked wow. that you would keep it for your time. And uh, someone pulled her out of a crowd at a chapel service at a Christian school out of a thousand people and said, you stand up, God's got something for you in Africa. So anyway, by the time we got married, her dream had died uh, a, a fair bit for Africa and mine was pretty all time. So I said, let's go together. Now we're married and see what God has. Mm. Within a couple of days of that trip, we were sitting down having a meal in northern Uganda and said, 
this East Africa feels like home. I think we should move here and start a church. Wow. So we did. And that was 2013? Yeah, that was 2013. Then we planned for another two and a half years, um, sorted some things out in our emotional world that if we hadn't in hindsight would have undid us. So right. it was really smart to just uh, take that time to plan, to um, you know, do all the things that we needed to do and moved in 2015. So we've been there four and a half years. And uh, yeah. Wow. It's been pretty crazy. And there's a, there's a C3 Coffs connection with Nairobi, right? Absolutely. Tell us how that works. That is crazy yes. because uh, Brendan and Ollie, mm. um, dear friends of, of ours, uh, we met them after we moved to Nairobi. So they were living in Dubai. And I think Pastor Phil put a post of us moving to Nairobi on Instagram. And their pastor at the time saw it. I don't know. I think you saw it directly as well, Brendan, or someone tagged you, Ollie did. And the pastor tagged this Brendo Lewis, you know, guy on Instagram <laughs> saying, check this out. And anyway, these guys got in touch saying we run a charity in Nairobi and et cetera, et cetera. And so there was a couple from that church in Dubai going to volunteer in Nairobi for their charity they were running at the time for a year. And the pastor said, this family wants to help you start the church. And wow. is that okay? I said, well, we don't have anyone in our church, so that would be a great start, yes. <laughs> let's, uh, let's say yes to that. You double on the first Sunday. Exactly That's right. Exponential growth. Exactly right. Yes. It was for a family. So it was four people. We, oh. had, uh, yeah, no. we said there's the beginnings of a church. So, and these guys were just so hospitable to us. I think we stayed in their apartment in Dubai before we actually met them. Because they were just like, hey, you're coming through Dubai, just stay in our apartment and have a holiday and, and whatever. So, um, yeah, over time we uh, got to know them and then we turned up to Dubai at one point and, uh, and uh, they were looking a bit, you know, not like they were loving life there. So we said, why don't you move to Nairobi for a bit and come and live with us? And I, I don't know if we really thought it through that much, but <laughs> seemed like a good idea in the moment. And, and, you know, usually people say, no. you know, like I saw all these people moving to California to plant churches. Mm. You know, you move to California, you get a team like of 20 people. And, totally. and I thought, well, that surely that, you know, yeah. we've got safaris in, Nairobi, in Kenya. That's a pretty cool place. I like it. Um, but no one put their hand up. Yeah. And so I was used to people saying, no, not really interested. They called me a week later and said, we're, we've quit our jobs. <laughs> we're, getting, we're moving there. We'll see you in a month. And so uh, anyway, they were a great help for us in uh, a season in the church before we palm them off to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You heard it from him. You're a palm off. <laughs> And uh, so tell, tell us about, like, is that, I find that fascinating. Central Coast, like, coastal area, living the Aussie dream. Yeah. Now you're on the streets of Kenya, mm. Nairobi, mm. massive city, um, totally different culture. Yep. Um, what's, what's the hardest thing about planning a church there for you guys? Because obviously you're fairly young in your marriage too, so you're still working out all that. For sure, yeah. So what was the more... hardest things about doing what you did yeah well yeah we've lived more of our married life in Nairobi than we have uh, on the central coast so uh, I mean you know there's been pros and cons for everything that's happened I think learning a different learning to exist and understanding a different culture is definitely a very unique experience so on the central coast I'm sure it's similar here really you don't take too much time to try and understand 
people that come from a different part of the world. It's like, this is Australia, welcome, uh, get on board, this is how we do things, and so be it. But trying to understand that what the heart of a Kenyan is, it took us a while because we realised people aren't talking about stuff in Connect Group, people are shutting down, we're, we're not really connecting here. So I think we did a very fast learning curve to figure out okay, what is the church experience of a Kenyan? What is the, the life growing up of someone in Nairobi? What makes them tick? How do they view God? How do they view church? And trying to understand the deep parts of the heart of someone from Kenya. It was a very fascinating, very difficult, but uh, well worth it. Systems, you know, I love Kenya, but a lot of Kenya is broken in a lot of ways. So day-to-day life, it doesn't may not seem huge, but day-to-day life is just, uh, you know, a huge, hugely different. You know, you can't walk the streets at night. You, um, the, the, the systems, you know, your immigration system is a folder that's been recorded in a handwritten book that gets lost all the time because people want bribes to get things. So the corruption and the bribe culture and same with traffic police and uh, figuring out where to buy your meat and veggies from and you have to go there for bread and there for meat and there for veggies and there for supermarket stuff. Um, you, you, you know, you don't pop into the bank. I thought, okay, we'll go to the, this morning I'll go to the bank, I'll go to here, I'll go to the shop. And I quickly realized, okay, going to the bank might take two or three hours. And we still use checks. You know, we use checks in Nairobi, things like that. So it is. It's just a a different way. Plus, you know, all the different uh, aspects of planting church and building church and building team and volunteer culture, different levels of socioeconomic status and uh, Mm. all of that sort of thing altogether. Yeah, it's very interesting. And so we'll describe the health of the church now from starting from nothing yeah. and have people like Brennan and Ollie come and help you. Yeah, yeah. Now four years, four and a half years down the track, what's the health of that church like? Totally. Well, I, I think that's the strong point of the church in that we, Nairobi has a lot of churches, a lot of big churches, but it, there's a lot of religion and like a hugely, hugely religious culture that is binding for a lot of people. Uh, there is a lot of lack of freedom. It's just sit up, come, sit at church, turn up next week, do what you're told, give. N- no, no equipping of the saints, no empowering people to contribute. Uh, a lot of fear-based teaching and preaching on the extreme end of the scale. Uh, not common, but uh, happens a lot of um, a lack of integrity in the church. You know, a lot of issues with money, pastors taking the whole offerings and... Um, and you know, selling miracles and trying to cure infidelity by the pastor sleeping with the infertile church person in the church. Okay, that's um, yeah, yeah, very interesting outlooks of yeah. life. So some really ugly stuff that people have maybe even if they haven't been exposed to personally, at least it's been around. So a lot of faking miracles, all sorts of things. So C three culture is actually. Uh, it was almost like when we went, we said, why do we need another church? There's enough churches. But we realized that it is not very common at all to find a contemporary and spirit-filled church. Right. And that, um, you know, some people don't come back because I preach in a, in a T-shirt. 
So I put on a collar today, so I wasn't a stumbling block for anyone here. But I, I appreciate that. Yes. You know, a but lot of people here appreciate that too. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. So you're welcome. But yeah, you know, so it's just too much to see a pastor not in a three-piece suit. It's like mind-blowing. I can't, they can't understand it. So, uh, but on the flip side, when people understand the freedom and get past that, it's just been an absolute haven for people to experience um, our five core values, which are belonging, to find genuine relationship in a family, contributions where people can use their gifts and get involved, encounter, to feel and experience the presence of God, freedom, how we dress, we're not the religious crew, and transformation, that people's lives should be different from being part of our church. And so, you know, we're not breaking records numerically. We have uh, maybe 130 adults turning up on a Sunday, but the health, we see people coming to Christ, people changing, people growing, people breaking out of religion. So I couldn't be happier with the level of health compared to what we were with no team members, with no church, to see a church uh, that exists and is healthy. That's epic, bro. That's so good. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we could applaud that. Um, ministry is hard and we joked before about why would you do ministry but it, it is it, it can be taxing it can be exhausting um, even in a culture that you were born and bred in I can mm. only imagine the complexities of mm. having to learn a new culture in the context of ministering to people um, we're doing a series at the moment called How to Unhurry based off John Mark Comer's book um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry and so looking at things like silence and solitude and Sabbath and, and these practices these, these transformation practices as Christians that we can do to to help, I guess, silence the noise around us, slow the pace of life within and around us in order to, to hear God more, um, to work on our emotional and spiritual health. Um, how have you navigated that or are navigating that with the complexities of what you've had to face? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, how long do we have, by the way? Like Another two hours. Yeah, We're going for say, an African-style service yeah, this morning. Yeah, three-hour service. So. Should be okay. Yeah, 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 yeah good. Now we've got about another 15 minutes. 15, yeah, cool. So, uh, I mean, my journey, I would say the first couple of years in Nairobi were two of the best of my life, and I would say the last two were two of the worst of my life. So it was like when we started, there was such a slipstream of grace and favor and God opening doors and connecting people, and it's like this is all really wonderful and working well. But... Uh, about halfway through, a number of different things led to me having a real fight on my hands with fighting anxiety and, uh, you know, getting to the point where I was, you know, trying to find enough strength to even get up on a Sunday and preach. And there was a number of factors to that. I think, you know, um, some predisposition to some mental health uh, challenges uh, that I that in hindsight I realized I'd wrestled since childhood but wasn't aware of what that was but I think as well the constant pressure and bombardment of the the fights and the energy taken to build the church and to leave home sell everything try and raise cash to live in an expensive city that's what people don't realize in Nairobi as well it's a very expensive city and so we're, yeah, we're raising funds and we're living off friends and family. And so there was those pressures in the early years going, how are we going to pay for this and that? Then we had some health challenges. Um, all sorts, I think there was just a concoction of life that I think triggered my, my inner man to the point where my body started responding to anxiety and all sorts of things. I didn't actually know what I was fighting until maybe a year into that. 
And so this is a huge topic for me because I've gone, spent two, two and a half years really looking at how do I live my life in a way that is conducive to um, living in peace, eliminating anxiety, walking through uh, stress responses going on in my world and how to get myself back to a space where I'm strong, peaceful and, and at least living above what I'm feeling on the inside at different times of my life and not being sucked down from it. So yeah, there's a, a huge amount of things that I've discovered over the past two and a half years of how to live in the place where we are eliminating hurry. I mean, what a great title of a book, totally. Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, because um, all of us in some degree, I believe, in the Western world and in developing nations like Nairobi around the world, the pace of life is frantic, it is crazy, and it does affect us in one way or another. Yeah. And, and what we've been learning too is it's not, not compatible with the life that Jesus lays out for us in Scripture. That he, like, I don't believe that God wants his children to burn out serving him. No, absolutely not. his yoke is easy, his burden is light, right? Yeah. And yet still we do. Mm. Uh, I think in Australia the statistics are 7 out of 10 pastors will experience burnout. Wow. Um, and it's awful statistic and it's probably the same for people in, in the, the secular world as well um, so what's been a key thing for you to, to help you with that moving forward yeah well I think um, I, I think a couple of things are worth talking about before I'll just share, share a few tips that have helped me yeah. live a more restful peaceful existence the first thing is that um, this is a, a topic where it is unique for every individual. So what it looks like to ruthlessly eliminate hurry will look differently from person to person. So, you, so comparing your level of, of pace to another's is pretty futile because seasons are different, yeah. callings are different, and personalities are different. So my season right now as a new dad is drastically different to what it was three months ago. Mm. Uh, when I took a few months out to recover from the season I'd just experienced. Yeah. It's very peaceful. I played a lot of golf. It was wonderful. I haven't played golf for a long time now. And, uh, and that's okay. But so seasons are different. So we can't look at someone in a new season taking a lot of energy to launch something new and go, well, uh, let's judge them because their lifestyle is a bit more frantic and I've got this new revelation of peace. Uh, nor can we look at someone who takes three months out to get their soul in a healthy place and go, oh, they're lazy, they're doing nothing. We've got to just run our own race. Um, Our callings are different. Some people are called to live a high pace uh, CEO type lifestyle that they can handle a little bit more than someone who uh, maybe lives, you know, is called to something a bit more, you know, low key. Uh, and our personalities are different. You know, my wiring, I've realized, is that I need to be mindful now of chinks in my maybe wiring where I just need to go, okay, I might not be able to handle some type of situation like someone else can who doesn't have that predisposition to anxiety in certain areas. So running our own race is really important. The other thing that's really important is knowing that Yes, we do need to watch our pace and we do need to figure out how to balance this all, but we are called to live fruitful lives for Jesus. That's the whole balance, isn't it? Because I think we have not just the, the opportunity to do something for, for God in our lives, but I think we have 
the responsibility to do something magnificent for God on the earth. So each, everyone, every one of us. And that's why it is exciting when you see young people starting to answer the call of God because the opportunity and the responsibility for all of us to be fruitful with what God's entrusted to us is really important. But um, I just have this scripture here and we, we, you know, it's become quite well known for its it's beauty uh, from Eugene Peterson in the message version of Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. It says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. This is the phrase I love. Walk with me and work with me, Jesus says. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And it, and it goes on. But walk with me and work with me. So they're the two things that we need to balance in this whole journey, how we work with Jesus and we're fruitful for him and how we walk with him in a pace that is in keeping in step with the spirit and is conducive toward to hearing his voice and, yes. and walking with him and knowing him and having the beautiful relationship that he has called us to have. So, but as we said, we do need to learn because what this pace does, this lifestyle does, it it locks us into a perpetual state of overstimulation and it turns what should be a stress response occasionally into a stress routine daily. And so we've got to learn how we, you know, the stress response in our body of pumping uh, chemicals through our body and preparing us to fight danger and all of that stuff, that is a response that it was designed for specific dangerous situations. When I cross the road and I see a car coming, wow, I pull back but when this overstimulated life and this frantic life and this lifestyle of never stopping happens it switches it on permanently and that can lead to all sorts of different levels of heightened uh, awareness of life but all everything from people that are just overwhelmed with life people that are just stressed people that are just busy all the way to those who can barely function because anxiety is so strong in their world so we've got to learn how do we kick in the relaxation response how do we let our body know it doesn't have to be on edge all the time how do we let our our soul know that it can just chill out and it doesn't always have to be running moving functioning doing something etc etc so some of the things that i think have been pertinent for me over this um, I've just thought of five things just to whip through really quickly. Uh, tips, and, and this, is a, this would stand for those of you in this space. Obviously, my heart is for people wrestling with anxiety and those sort of mental health issues. But uh, obviously, we can't go deeply into that in the time we have today. But I think these relate for those people and everyday people who are just overwhelmed with the pace of life. Uh, the first thing would be that I would say saying no is healthy. Saying no is healthy. Uh, that I think so many of us do what we shouldn't be doing because we have a false expectation that we should be doing it. And I'm not being talk about being a pain in the backside, saying no to everything. You know, like, can you ser- serve on this team? No, no, no. I'm ruthlessly eliminating. Hurry. Uh, you know, I'm, I've just, you know, you know, whatever. So I'm not talking about not doing anything. I've already established we are to be fruitful for the Lord. But so often I say to people, do you need to do that? And, you know, this friend of mine's going through a tough time and he just started serving on the board of a non-profit in our area. And I'm like, are you passionate about this? No, not really. Why? Why why are you doing this? Oh, they asked me if I'd get involved. It's like, well, 
you don't need to do that. You know, you can say no to that, yeah. but, but often we want to please people yeah. and uh, we don't want to let people down. Uh, often we like to feel important. True. Like we, we yeah. almost like the busyness because it makes us feel validated and, and worthy and significant, like we're contributing, someone needs us. Um, maybe we're control freaks and we think no one can do a better job at it and we should just do it. But whatever the reasons are to have a really strong look at your life and say, do I need to be doing this or not? Like when I got taken out from being fully active in our church two and a half years ago, I, th- I thought, how's this going to all happen? I'm the man. I'm the man. And I'll tell you what happened. My wife had more opportunity to do things. My team had more opportunity to do things. And actually, I saw the call of God rise up on other people's lives to the point where I think maybe the Lord had his hand in all of this. Uh, you know, that, that actually I needed to get out of the way so others could rise up. So I think saying no is really important. Um, protecting your daily rituals is super, super important. Unfortunately, when we get over busy, the first things to go are our exercise, our, our healthy eating habits, our prayer. One of the things that's been so helpful for me is mindfulness breathing exercises where I have an app and I do it. When, when I do it three times a day, it is so good for my soul. It's 10 minutes, five minutes a few times a day, at least once a day. But uh, the first thing I do when I wake up, so it triggers a relaxation response in my body. Um, And so those sort of things, you've just got to be ruthless in not eliminating them. If anything's got to go from your world, you can't give up your prayer time, your worship, the things that are proven Mm. to bring peace and relaxation to your body. And so we've got to protect those things with everything that we have. It sounds basic. We hear about it all the time, but it is... A matter of life and death, really, of, in, in, when it comes to our soul. Totally. Technology. Uh, ensuring that technology <laughs> serves us. You know, that, that book, I, I started reading the book when I heard the, the theme you're doing, and what a wonderful explanation of the fact that technology is not designed to serve us. Mm. We can use it to serve us if we're... If we're smart and disciplined but it's designed to well you know one of those things that said in the book about it uh, facebook likes designing to stimulate our body and to hit that that dopamine hit in our life that's that's another thing telling our bodies move get excited get get distracted and so um you know I, there was a ceo in our church who said who was burnt out busy and i said do you turn your phone off she said it's in my contract that i'm not allowed to turn my phone off at any time in the day any hour of the night even on holidays and I said that is one what why did you sign that contract that is one of the most unhealthy things I've ever heard of I used to say to people as a pastor you can call me anytime I'm available for you because my heart wanted to help people I don't say that now I tell people the opposite I'm not available very you know I'm quite unavailable Um, you know see someone else but you know, so, so these phones, the, the notification, the calls, the messages, the email, you know, turn off your notifications, put your phone down, um, all of those things. This thing, when I, when I started doing my breathing exercises and looking at my heart rate, when I got this thing under control, it took my resting heart rate down over 10 beats a minute from high 60s to mid 50s. 
And uh, a lot of, by not looking at it all the time, what's happening on Instagram, what's happening on Facebook, what's happening on TikTok, uh, whatever it might be. So um, I think that's really important. Uh, Two more things I think something's really important. Embrace the beauty of boredom. That's good. You know when you were a kid, you, you, you had a, a thought that boredom's bad, and in your, your, you know, and sometimes, but boredom is really healthy for the soul. Mm. I realized this when I jumped in an elevator to go up three levels and I got my phone out to check social media. And it was like the Lord just awakened me to that moment to go, you can't even wait in an elevator for around eight and a half seconds and just stand there looking at something. Mm. When we're at red lights, we're always anxious to, you know, that train crossing down near the jetty, you know, um, <laughs> we stopped at that. Brennan's like, oh, we should have turned here. And, and uh, we just decided to make that a moment where we embrace the beauty of boredom. Now I look at the red light and I go, cool. I love you, red light. I love you, red light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think about what I should do, where I'm going, the hurry I'm in to get there. It's just embracing those pauses in life. Yeah, that's good. And I actually do t- four deep breaths. Okay. Telling my body, you don't have to be anxious to move past this moment, that you can just chill out and enjoy this moment. Uh, so, you know, embrace boredom. Let, let you, let be bored. It's okay. You don't have to be stimulated all the time. Uh, and I would say, lastly, um, and this is a big one, but deal with pain and trauma in your life. Because a lot of our hurry, like I said before, the things of I need to feel validated, it comes from an unhealthy place in our heart. And even if it doesn't, just the the very thing, like the insecurities, the pain, whatever it might be that causes us to function in different ways, the thinking that it promotes, the worry... That, that the negative, the, the worst case scenarios that bombard our minds every day, whatever it might be, it causes a, a significant lack of unrest on the inside of us. So even when we might try and sit down and read a book or chill out or look at nature, whatever it might be, our minds are still pumping and our souls are still uneasy. And so when we are aware, like for me, when I went on a, an, an understanding of why anxiety was being triggered in my life, it was a game changer because all of a sudden I thought I was fighting and generalized anxiety disorder, but there was other things going on in my heart that were actually triggering that. So if I had have thought I was fighting the wrong thing, I wouldn't have seen any breakthrough. So self-awareness and being able to just say, hey, why is this lack of peace on the inside of me? Why are these things being triggered on the inside of me? Why can't I stop? Why can't I rest? Why can't I say no? Why must I be driven by technology? Why are these things happening? Is I think a really, really important question. Yeah. Otherwise, we, um, we just function in autopilot and, mm. and, uh, and nothing's going to change. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. There's a few things that, I, that have been helpful for my world, yeah. That's incredible. Is that helpful or...? So good. Normally, in this situation, full disclosure, I am um, thinking of the next question. Mm. And then, but I was like, I was just engulfed by what you were saying. Yeah. It was just like, that's really good. That's really so, good. There's a lot of stuff I just I know. blabbed on a bit. But no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. It was like, it was gold. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, 
that stuff we probably need to go and simmer and, and think about mm. and meditate on. And, um, and I think it's healthy that we're bringing this stuff to the surface because, yeah. like you said, we live by default. We live by autopilot. And these issues that probably need to be resolved, they might be minor, but you know, a, a little rock in your foot is minor, but over, over a year or two years, that thing creates a wound. Totally. And so if we can bring that to our attention now, so yeah. we deal with those things, get those yeah. daily habits in practice, yeah. um, learn to embrace boredom and, and yeah. the slower pace of life. Yeah. Oh, if we can use these guys as, as an example. I'm bored by them all the time. Um, <laughs> is that what you meant? Yeah. No. <laughs> like these guys... The thing you need for that is courage. Yeah. And they get sick of me saying that because I said it to them a lot, but they had the courage yeah. to look at their life and say, why are things broken? Yeah. And if they yeah. didn't, they would not be married in your church today. Yeah. They would, they would be a statistic. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are. That's why we have statistics, I guess. But, uh, True. Um, True but these guys aren't. They're yeah. a, a positive statistic yeah. because they dealt with things and were able to acknowledge that things were broken and it's just so healthy and so I think the key thing is that we need to know that this pace of life and this this it is a vortex that will force you into a particular space to avoid it requires uh, really clear intentionality and a proactive response to how you live your life Mm. so that you are in control of the things that matter. Yep. So you can th- you control this, not vice versa. Yep. Your schedule is not something you respond to, it's something you create and order. Very good. Um, your holidays are something that you say, I'm doing that. Your day off is something that you say, no one can take it from me. You're, whatever it is that awesome. you need to take your life back and start saying, I am in control and I am determining these things. I'll tell you what, how much stress that takes off you mm. when you just know that you're not responding to life, but you are wow. taking intentional steps to being in control of it in so many ways. Thanks for tuning in to the C3CH podcast. We trust this week's message inspired and encouraged you. We hope to see you in one of our services soon. For more information on C3 Church Coffs Harbour, visit www.c3ch.com.